HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is presented by Forever Cheese. Learn more at forevercheese.com. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Eat Your Heartland Out. I'm your host, Capri Cafaro. Today's show is about food waste reduction efforts across the Midwest. The challenge of food waste and how to combat it is an area more and more organizations are starting to focus on. Our guests this hour have worked to implement a number of these food waste reduction interventions in a variety of contexts. I will speak with Tony Staubach. He is the Food Waste Diversion Coordinator at the Hamilton County Solid Waste District in the Cincinnati, Ohio region. His experience in education is a perfect fit to conduct the community outreach necessary for a successful food waste program. But now I want to welcome our first guest, Jennifer Trent. She's the Food, Beverage, and Organics Program Manager at the Iowa Waste Reduction Center. It's affiliated with the University of Northern Iowa. Jennifer has been involved in the field of food waste and sustainability practices at the Iowa Waste Reduction Center since 2012. Jennifer, thank you for joining the program. Hey, Capri, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so um, you have some pretty fancy titles, and uh, obviously along with those titles goes a lot of work. Uh, so um, give our listeners a bit of insight on um, what the Iowa Waste Reduction Center does and what you do there um, towards this effort of reducing food waste. Oh, you bet. So the Iowa Waste Reduction Center was uh, formed under the Iowa's Groundwater Protection Act quite a few years ago. I believe it was 87. Um, and we get we get a portion of landfill tipping fees to implement mm. environmental programming in the state of Iowa. Uh, we also get grant funds so that we can do work outside of Iowa. And we help um, military bases train painters so they can paint their uh, tactical vehicles more efficiently. Huh. Uh, we do energy efficiency projects. We do food waste projects. Uh, we do pollution preventions, and we help businesses, municipalities, um, manufacturers, nursing homes, K-12. through So we basically help everybody. Um, wow. About 10 years ago, we realized that um, 
you know, with a lot fewer regulations and a lot less enforcement that we needed to start reaching um, Iowans and Midwesterners um, a little bit better. So we looked into food waste mm-hmm. and started implementing food waste um, projects across Iowa. That's how we initially started. And we reached out to K through 12 schools and we started conducting waste sorts in cafeterias. Mm-hmm. And then um, once we did the waste sort, we would provide them with recommendations and help them implement projects to reduce the amount of food that was headed to the landfill. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much how we started about 10 years ago. And now, you know, we work a- across the Midwest and nationally. Well, I, I want to get, uh, you know, dive a little bit deeper. But before that, you know, it, it occurred to me that we're, we're throwing around this term food waste. And, you know, there's an assumption that everyone knows what that what that actually looks like and what that entails. And, and maybe it's not as clear cut um, as it sounds that, oh, it's, you know, it's just leftover food that might, you know, end up in, in the, uh, you know, wastebasket and rotting and, and ultimately in a landfill. But, you know, what is considered food waste? Oh boy, uh, food waste is a lot of things. Um, it is the you know the pumpkins that you carve at Halloween time and then throw away. It's lemon peels. It is uh, the food that you didn't eat. It's it's when you go to a buffet and there's food left over that goes in the garbage. It is moldy bread. It is it's it's basically anything that is edible or once was edible. Mm-hmm. That gets tossed. I mean, it can even be animal food. It can be pet food. Interesting. That's not something that I would have considered. Yeah. There's probably a lot of, um, you know, excess uh, pet food that's out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, we have some food banks and food pantries that are looking for pet food to give to some of the recipients that go there to get food for their families. They also have pets and right. need food for pets. So. Yeah, that's an important one too that people don't think about often. Absolutely, uh, that's that's interesting. So now that we have a uh, you know somewhat of a semblance of you know the the expansive nature of what food waste encompasses, I, I want to ask a little bit more about you know your the role that you've played with K to twelve schools. You know, obviously trying to deal with the cafeterias, um, but uh, you know, how did you actually go about um, tackling? food waste within the school systems in Iowa? So basically what we do is we go to the school and we walk in and we conduct a waste audit in the cafeteria. And we take a look at at the food that's coming out of the kitchen that has not been on students' plates yet. And then we also take a look at the food that students are throwing away and beverages. That's another big one that gets tossed at schools. Mm -hmm. And then we set up bins and we label them. And basically, we have students, uh, when they're done with their, their meal, they walk through this line and they sort the waste on their tray. Mm-hmm. And then they uh, drop things in the correct bin, dump any um, milk out or juice out that they didn't finish. And then we also have them set aside foods that they have not opened that can be donated to a food bank or pantry. Mm. And how are the kids, um, you know, going along with this kind of thing? Are they seeing this as a one extra step that we have to deal with, or are they excited to try to help out the bigger picture? No, students are always excited. Uh, when we go into a K-12 through school, let me tell you, it is so fun. Uh, the kids are always excited. They always want to know what we're doing. And, you know, we were in a, a K-12 through school district 
uh, within the last couple of years. And it was super memorable because the students have heard the message about recycling and waste and trying to do our part. And we must have had six kids say, are you guys helping us save the turtles today? Um, they were so cute. And in another school, we had a student that was helping with the waste sort. She picked up a the garbage can and she was making her friends smell the garbage can. And she's like, it smells like tacos and milkshakes. It's actually oh. not gross like I thought it would be. So it's like it's like teaching them that it's not gross, that food waste, you know, is a problem. And when they see the amount that they're throwing away, yeah, they are so shocked. Are they bringing this message home to their parents and maybe their older siblings? Actually, yes, they are. Um, we have an economist on staff uh, that's part time that has done some research into that exact question. As to, you know, she's taking a look at a school, a junior high school that is not doing anything about food waste and then another junior high that is. And then she's surveying the parents to find out if Hmm. the things the students are learning at school is transferring to home. What are they finding out there? Oh, they finding out that it it absolutely is transferring to home uh, when they compare those two schools. That, that, you know, a lot of people don't know what the issues with food waste are. They don't know right. why it's a problem that we throw it away. And this kind of opens up the conversation so that hopefully more people are thinking about it. More people are understanding why it's a problem. Sure, sure. Um, and, you know, outside of the K-12 to school systems, are you doing uh, outreach, uh, training, education uh, within you know, the business community, for example, restaurants, um, catering companies, things like that. Oh, sure. Um, we actually had last summer did um, we had a rural development USDA grant funded project mm. and we were providing training all the way up to Ely, Minnesota. We were in Minnesota a couple of times, Illinois, Iowa, and we were conducting training to teach people how to compost food waste that that they may um, have at their homes. And then we were working with municipalities. Uh, we're working with colleges and universities, nursing homes. Um, so when we go into a municipality and provide this training, it's really beneficial because it actually hits up the residential sector. But also, you know, there's also yard waste that they have right. the capacity to add food waste to. So training Hmm. them to add food waste to a municipal yard waste compost site is also beneficial. That's something I would have never thought of, but does make a a lot of sense. Now, you know, what is the capacity for composting facilities in municipalities or or regionally? I mean, it's not something that we necessarily hear about, you know, a composting site. People hear about solid waste landfill or commercial demolition and debris landfills. But, you know, not a lot is talked about with composting outside of, you know, maybe you're doing something, you know, for yourself and you're, you know, saving things that you end up, you know, using in your garden, for example. So you have kind of like that personal composting, but not that, you know, more, uh, that infrastructure that, that, you know, exist when it comes to waste management? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it depends on the state you live in, and it depends on your regulations mm-hmm. as to what you can do with, uh, you know, adding food waste to a, a yard waste site that's managed by a municipality. Mm-hmm. In, in the state of Iowa, the limit for um, adding that kind of material is two tons per week. Mm. And so if a municipality is doing yard waste and they want to add that food waste, 
they're really limited. I mean, two tons yeah. is nothing. I know it I sounds like say, a lot. No, I, I would it, think for, for the volume of, of a municipality, I, it doesn't seem like a lot at all. No. And so, you know, it's a great, it's a great option. However, there are regulatory burdens that prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. So are, what is being done then to maybe, you know, reassess, reevaluate and change some of these, you know, issues when it comes to, um, you know, some of these municipal uh, rules in regards to adding that food waste to uh, yard waste or even, you know, being able to um, get the, the permitting for um, composting, for example, uh, within uh, a, a community? Oh, that's such a big question because, um, you know, I, what you have to do is you have to change the regulations because mm-hmm. unless you have the business infrastructure in your state or in your local area where there are businesses that can operate and take your food waste, but, you know, the infrastructure in the Midwest isn't that great. Mm-hmm. And so what what the best thing to do is to um, head to your state house, uh, talk to legislators, and try to open up the rules so that you don't need an arduous and expensive permit that's going to take a long time to get, and then so that you can get exemptions for different types of food waste. Um that's the easiest way. So what we're doing in Iowa right now is we're taking a look at the compost operations legislation. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are three tiers. There's the exempt tier. There's the tier that is the permit by rule, which has very few requirements. And then there's the permit tier. The permit takes a long time and it's expensive. Yep. The permit by rule is where we want municipalities to be able to operate without getting a permit. What we want to do is increase the limits from two tons, you know, on up to like 35 to 70 tons a week. Wow. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's going to make all the difference in the world because a municipality now can take a yard waste site where they already have their carbon source for composting mm-hmm. and they can add food waste. It just, it's a natural um, solution to all the waste that municipalities generate. If you look at waste characterization studies that states do, you can see even in Iowa, it went from 13.3% to 20% in a matter of seven years, wow. the uh, food waste in the landfill. Wow. I mean, that is a significant increase. How are, how are your efforts going? Are you making any headway um, to be able to get some of these regulations changed so you can um, continue this kind of diversionary um, uh, efforts? Well, that's a great question. So about 13 of us have been working to change this rule. And, you know, I want to see infrastructure build in Iowa for, for composting. Um, we got pretty far last fall, and then our governor um, a couple of weeks ago put a moratorium on all rule rewriting. Oh. So uh, that's going to require the Iowa Department of Natural Resources to take a look at the rules and try to eliminate undue burden on businesses and mm-hmm. the, the economy in Iowa. Right. And they have to do a full-scale analysis before we can continue with the rule rewrite. So right now, you know, that's that actually, we weren't expecting that to happen. So now that that's happened, we're waiting till March. And then once March rolls around, the DNR will have a better answer as to if we can move forward with this rule rewrite. Mm-hmm. And basically... 
What the governor wants is what we are doing. We're reducing the burden and trying to grow composting business in Iowa. And I right. think this rule will, will be able to do that. So I'm hopeful it continues. Well, I, I certainly hope for the sake of, of your efforts and uh, Iowans that it, that it is uh, successful. You know, I know how um, arduous it can be to go through that rulemaking process and the red tape that's involved in these administrative agencies at the state level. Um, so, you know, people don't sometimes realize that the simplest things uh, out there do have all kinds of regulations around them. I mean, we're throwing things away, you know, and and you just think, oh, we're throwing it in the trash, having no thought, second thought about what actually governs that piece of trash. <laughs> but that's why we have a show like this, right? Um, what are there any are there any states out there that you think are good models, uh, whether they're in the Midwest or or in other places that you may have looked at to say, you know, this is the kind of infrastructure we want. This is the kind of you know rules governing uh, food waste composting um, that, that we think would be beneficial in, in Iowa or in other Midwestern states? Uh, you know, I guess I've looked and I've talked to a lot of people at the United States Composting Council about this. They have a, a legislative group that regularly del delves into uh, state regulations. And, you know, I, I guess I really haven't. What I thought was important was an increase in the permit by rule, mm -hmm. um, tonnage uh, limits. And you, you look at states that have landfill bans where composting infrastructure is really thriving and booming, but we're never going to, you know, it's, I shouldn't say never, but I don't see that happening in Iowa or, or the Midwest landfill bans. And so, you know, taking a look at states that, where they have really robust compost infrastructure and finding out how they got there is an important step. But mm -hmm. in, in my research working with the U.S. Composting Council, I have not seen a state that has increased the, their uh, permit by rule limits, you know, to 35 to 70 tons a week and how that has impacted them. Hmm. So I really, really haven't. Interesting. Well, I mean, certainly I, it sounds like the Composting Council is a good resource, you know, in the first step. But um, I think you make a good point that a lot of Midwestern states might not, you know, have an out-and-out, -out, you know, uh, landfill ban, as you mentioned. Uh, what about mm -hmm. the federal level? I, I know that, you know, you had mentioned previously in a, a previous conversation of ours that um, you're also engaging in efforts for reforms at the federal level when it comes to food waste, right? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I just had a meeting today. Um, we authored a bill called the National Food Waste Reduction Act. And this bill, um, the, legis the federal legislative liaison at the University of Northern Iowa has been trying to drum up support for this bill. And, and you know, of course, it, it shouldn't be a political issue, but we do want bipartisan support. And the bill basically uh, would, would create five regional food waste centers across the country. And they would be located at universities with the capacity to do research. Mm -hmm. And these regional center food waste centers would also provide boots on the ground services to uh, to to basically the region on strategies to reduce food waste. Mm -hmm. And then each regional food waste center would would do research on strategies that worked, where we need help with strategies. And then we would take a look at regional differences in food waste and the, the strategies that have been implemented 
and create a report that uh, basically would provide the, the groundwork for implementing le legislation. So huh. the National Food Waste Reduction Act um, it is a recommendation also by a Harvard Food Law and Policy Clinic for the Farm Bill. So we're looking both at the Farm Bill and we're looking at this as a standalone bill. And we are trying to get support for, um, for the bill to move forward. Yep. And when is when's Farm Bill reauthorization coming up? Oh, boy. Um, I, I don't have the timeline in front of me, but it's this year. <laughs> That's what I thought. That's what I thought. So, yeah. I mean, you know, um, as a former, you know, government person, you always got to try to find a vehicle that's moving, as we say. And, and you know, I, amazingly enough, the Farm Bill has, has in recent years become more partisan and, and a little bit more difficult um, to get reauthorized in a, in a sort of seamless and time in a timely manner. But more likely than not, it's going to still, it, it, it's probably better, um, a better chance of getting an amendment in there than, you know, maybe a standalone bill. But it really sounds like, you know, you are doing a lot of really important work. One final question I do want to ask is, what are you seeing so far in the data that you've collected and the efforts that you're making in Iowa? How has your work, can you quantify the impact of the work that you're doing in um, reducing that food waste going into the system? It's really difficult to quantify because a lot of the clients we work with, you know, we'll, we'll go in and we'll measure their, their food waste for them. And then if they implement something, we want to hold their hand through implementation. And a lot of times they just, we don't get those numbers. However, working with K through 12 schools over the last many, many years, I can tell you that students in Iowa toss an average of 150,000 pounds of food a day. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of food. And the, the reason that's a huge problem is because much and much of that food <clears throat> is donatable. And so when you have, you know, food insecure people, you see all this, all these cartons of milk that haven't been opened, all these full apples, bags of chips. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are going into the garbage. And so right. for a K through 12 school to set that food aside and donate it seems really easy, right? But it's not because of policies. And mm -hmm. it's not because they have to get a variance to policies to be able to rescue that food and then redonate it to students in need in their own school. Mm -hmm. So these are some of the things we've seen. And quantifying that amount was pretty easy. 150,000 pounds a day is what's going into wow. the landfill. Wow. Just from K through 12s. That's significant. Yeah. And that's just one, pe that's just one uh, piece of the picture. Um, so, um, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining the program and for enlightening us on the work that you're doing and the importance of uh, trying to produce and eliminate food waste. I hope to have you back again soon. Thanks, Capri, for having me. It was a pleasure. This is Eat Your Heartland Out with me, Capri Cafaro. It's been a pleasure to learn about some of the efforts to reduce food waste in Iowa from our last guest, Jennifer Trent. After the break, I'll welcome our next guest, Tony Staubach, Food Waste Diversion Coordinator at the Hamilton County, Ohio Solid Waste District.
Forever Cheese, a leading importer of cheese and specialty food, has sourced exceptional products from Italy, Spain, Portugal, and Croatia for 25 years. Offering a wide selection of artisan cheese, charcuterie, nuts, crackers, preserves, and more, their products are sold in stores nationwide. Forever Cheese seeks out the best of the Mediterranean and focuses on sharing stories from their family of producers. Each product has a unique story, and their goal is to celebrate each one. From drunken goat to genuine Fulvi Pecorino Romano, Mostarda to Mitica Marcona almonds, and Duya to Jamon Iberico, Forever Cheese is proud to offer products they love from people they believe in. Their passion, quality, and range are unmatched. Learn more at forevercheese.com and look for their products in a grocery store, restaurant, or specialty food shop near you. Welcome back to Eat Your Heartland Out. I'm your host, Capri Cafaro. Earlier in the show, I spoke with Jennifer Trent from the Iowa Waste Reduction Center about her organization's role in food waste reduction. Now, I'm joined by Tony Staubach, Food Waste Diversion Coordinator from the Hamilton County, Ohio Solid Waste District. Tony is implementing food waste reduction strategies around the Cincinnati area. Tony, it's great to have you on the program. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Um, Hamilton County is uh, in Southwest Ohio and Cincinnati is our county seat. So we work very closely with the city of Cincinnati on reducing food waste. Well, that is that is good to hear and why why you're on the program, because, you know, food waste, uh, food has many different faces and different stories. And we like to cover mm-hmm. them all here on Eat Your Heartland Out. And uh, this issue of food waste um, is you know, thankfully, I think becoming a growing part of uh, the conversation. Uh, so uh, let us know, uh, what what are you doing right now in Hamilton County, Ohio, as part of your job as the food waste diversion coordinator there at the Solid Waste District? Well, yeah. So food waste is a multifaceted issue. Um, but one of the major contributors to food waste is food that comes from our homes. So the general consumer, the person who's buying food at the grocery store, taking it home, preparing it for their families, mm-hmm. as an aggregate, they're producing the most waste uh, that's going to the landfill. So we want to work with our general consumers to teach them how to reduce food waste. So we've launched our consumer food waste campaign. It's called Wasted Food Stops With Us. And We are trying to reach our community to teach them how to do simple things like make a shopping list and only buy what they need, how to budget and make decisions based on how much they'd like to spend or how much they'd like to save. The average consumer in Cincinnati, Ohio, wastes about $1,800 a year for a family of four Mm -hmm. on food that they throw away. So we want to help people save that money so that they can use that for other things they're going to need. And of course, as prices rise, that number will also rise. Um, but we also work with bars and restaurants to identify Mm -hmm. how much waste they're producing, how we can help them reduce waste. We offer a green business certification to those restaurants who are, um, making efforts to reduce waste. We also work with our community compost partners. There is no large scale compost facility located Mm -hmm. in Southwest Ohio. So we partner with a number of small scale composters who work on, uh, plots of land that are smaller than 500 square feet to uh, collect and aggregate and process that composted material and turn it back into a nutrient-rich soil that Mm -hmm. we can um, send off to gardens or use in other facilities. 
So we do a little bit of everything. You know, we partner with food pantries on making sure people have the ability to donate food and that pantries have the ability to accept their donations. Mm -hmm. So our office has a grants program. We offer uh, up to $15,000 for this grant. And a lot of pantries have applied for um, infrastructure needs like refrigerators Mm, or cold storage, dry storage, so that when they get a donation, they can hold on to it and preserve it so they can get it to the people who need it most. Uh, Because we don't have a large-scale compost facility, a lot of our efforts have centered around ensuring that we're getting edible food to the people who need it the most. So that's partnering with organizations like Last Mile Food Rescue, who are going Mm -hmm. into grocery stores to get food and then take it to a pantry before it expires or before it goes bad. Um, And that is also working with Uh, our Feeding America partner, um, Free Store Food Bank, to make sure that that information is getting out there to our our grocery stores for what they can donate, but also to our general public about what they can donate and how they can access some of this recovered food. Well, you, uh, I think, have just uh, reflected exactly how um, complex and wide uh, wide-reaching this issue of of food waste can be. So I kind of want to break down, you know, you ran through yeah. a lot of different things. I kind of want to break down, uh, uh, you know, some of these different categories that that you've touched upon, uh, you know, starting with, you know, the average consumer, you and me, uh, or at least maybe me, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, I think something that we can all relate to. I mean, we want to be, um, I think we all kind of strive to be more uh, budget conscious, more environmentally conscious, you know, but inevitably, you know, something's hit in the refrigerator, you know, we forgot about it, it goes bad, you know, we're, we're, and, um, and we end up wasting even, you know, sometimes with our, with our, you know, best intentions. What, what kind of education do you do for the consumer and how do you get it to them? Yeah. So we have lots and lots of approaches to addressing, Uh, consumer education. So first, we have uh, a wonderful partner in our office who goes out and teaches youth in schools on how to reduce food waste. And she works on on all issues environmental, but because we're a solid waste management district. But Mm -hmm. she started providing a lot of education around how to reduce food waste at home, teaching these kids about the issue of food waste. You know, uh, in a former career, I was a 4-H educator, so I really believe firmly yeah. in this idea of teaching kids so they can teach their parents. Um, that doesn't always work, but I think in this situation, it works really well. If we teach kids how to make smart food choices, how to value the food that they're given, and we also give them the skills they need to go home and share with their parents what they've learned, their parents are going to save money. Nobody wants to waste money. They're going to listen to this message. They're going to say, wow, this is really cool. So she's going in schools and she's doing this work on a regular basis. We also have our blog. um, So Wasted Food Stops With Us. And Mm -hmm. we spend a lot of money promoting this blog. We want to make sure we're getting the information (laughs) in front of people. Um, So, you know, we've we've got good numbers. We feel like people are reading it. The numbers that come back make us confident that we're we're doing good work here. Um, but we have a weekly or biweekly blog that shares stories of success around reducing food waste. So did somebody come up with a recipe? Um, did somebody uh, partner with another agency and show people how to uh, donate food? So for example, a couple of weeks ago, we wrote a blog uh, featuring one of our pantry partners at Kane. Um, it's the Churches Active in Northside. They uh, partnered with us to write this blog on what people can donate from their homes. Oh, because wow. 
as money gets tighter, as more and more people are using pantries, as there are fewer and fewer accessible grocery stores in different communities, Mm -hmm. we're seeing more and more people access food at pantries. And there are certain staples that they would like to have. Um, And then that opened up the door for a conversation around uh, other things beyond food that people might be able to donate, which is great because from our homes, we often have things we can donate. Uh, So we make sure that we're providing education uh, to our youth. We're making sure we're providing education digitally through our blogs, through our videos, through our recipes. And then we're also going out in the community and training people on how to cook. So Mm. that's more than just um, general consumers. We did this program at our county fair last year where we brought out some chefs. They showed people how to upcycle different food. It was a lot of fun. But now we're starting to get into the world of culinary education. Mm. So I just had a meeting today with Cincinnati Public Schools and their culinary arts program oh, wow. on how we can get their youth in front of people to teach more people how to reduce food waste. So this April, they'll be going out. They'll be doing some upcycled recipes in partnership with ideally a local soup kitchen and a local food vendor so that they can learn how important it is to reduce food waste as professionals, but also provide that education to others. I know that part of the efforts there as well um, in your purview are working with um, restaurants and grocery stores as well. Um, what do you do in that in that context to help reduce their food waste? Well, we do a lot. <laughs> we um, have launched a 513 Green certification for businesses. And so that certification originally focused on uh, you know, recycling, uh, materials management. But as food waste has become a more high-profile issue, we've started to develop a system so that we can certify bars and restaurants. And so Mm -hmm. we're starting now with coffee shops because although they don't produce the most waste, they're usually very environmentally conscious organizations. Um, They are some low-hanging fruit. Coffee grounds are great fertilizers. We all learned from our grandma. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and may and maybe the master gardeners at uh, at at extension too. Yes, yes. Coffee grounds are really interesting, and so that's why we want to start with them because they're under they're basically a soil amendment. They're they're already processed. They're already broken down. You know, they're really easy to get back into the soil. They're very carbon rich. So working with these coffee shops, uh, we've we've piloted with one coffee shop already, Deeper Roots Coffee, um, and started to. Uh, work with them to identify other ways they can reduce their food waste. So are they able to take any of their coffee that may not be uh, of peak quality and donate it to a pantry or an event? Is there a way that we could take their their pastries, their items that they've been selling in the store and getting those directly to a, um, a soup kitchen or a food pantry where other people can access those resources um, and then also what's really great about Deeper Roots is they've already built in a, a social um, entrepreneurship model. So as people donate, they are making, or as they buy products, they're making donations to food recovery organizations or community gardens. And so they're a wonderful pilot program. Uh, and so we're taking what we've done with them and expanding it through a coffee uh, collaborative. And so this way we can start working with more coffee shops to make sure that they're also recovering items that could be donated for others to eat in the community or to compost. Um, We also offer technical assistance to restaurants. So we've done this for years uh, and that's where we go in and we offer waste audits. So um, I've got a few partners in my office and a couple of people that we partner with outside of our office that will go to bars and restaurants 
and do waste audits. So we will sort through the trash and say like, this is how much food waste you're producing. This is how much recyclable material you have. These are appropriate outlets for these items. This is how we can help you access these resources. Um, and that is usually incredibly eye-opening. Most people have no idea how much food they're actually wasting. Um, and it's usually heartbreaking. Chefs do not want to waste food. They love food. So once they start going through the trash, start realizing what they have, they usually immediately jump on this and start trying to identify ways that they can, you know, use this food in other ways. Um, there's always going to be inedible scrap. You know, it's hard. Right. It's hard in a restaurant to find a way to use that avocado pit. Um, <laughs> but there are ways that we can turn our onion peels into vegetable stock. And usually people are really receptive and excited about doing those things. Um, with our grocery store partners, we really focus a lot right now on the recovery aspect. So here in Cincinnati, um, we have Kroger. <laughs> you know, most people have heard of Kroger or one of their many, many brands. Um, right. And so they're a wonderful partner and they have been working with our pantries in the region for a very long time. And through our partnership with organizations like La Soup and Last Mile Food Rescue, um, they have been donating to more and more pantries. So in both these organizations, volunteers go to different local stores and they pick up what Kroger has set aside as either um, past its prime or, or needs to get off the shelves for whatever reason that is still edible. And these volunteers actually go through these items and then decide what can and can't be donated and then deliver directly to the pantries so that our pantries aren't burdened with having to go through and sort. And they're also not burdened with being the ones that say, no, we can't take that. Because pantries inherently all want to say yes. They want to take the items. They want to be good stewards of a donation. But having that intermediary that provides a logistic service to say, no, this is not safe for people to eat is really useful and also helps educate the grocery staff on what they should and shouldn't be donating. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, and that's fantastic that you have such good partners in um, organizations like Kroger. Um, and it sounds like, it's, you know, things are really impactful uh, within, um, you know, those uh, those circles with, um, you know, restaurants as well. Like you said, you know, chefs don't want to waste. Um, and, you know, having those... Uh, Tips and tricks and skills. Uh, I'm sure they're they're really helpful. They're really helpful, and I think they're probably very thankful for. Um, so, uh, I guess finally, I want to touch on what you are doing, as you mentioned, of trying to get kind of the sort of what I read is kind of the three categories, broadly speaking, of the work that you do, and and, and the final one being with food rescue and food pantries. Um, so, so tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I, I like that you said these three areas because it is there. There are three um, main actions that we take to reduce food waste, and they are the three R's: reduce, reuse, recycle. You know, at the top, we want to make sure that we are only buying what we need, reducing at the source, and then we want to make sure that we are reusing what we can. And so that's really where the pantries come in. Um, we have partnered with tons of food pantries and food recovery organizations, upcycling agencies to make sure that food is turned back into or is redistributed in a way that people can access it. So organizations like La Soup and Food for the Soul are out there collecting uh, leftover food items from different restaurants, from different grocery stores, and upcycling that into meals people can access. Mm -hmm. So um, we have one partner, Our Daily Bread. They're a soup kitchen. They've done this for years. Yeah. They have restaurants that end up with beef tips. 
Um, they don't use them when they're cooking. They donate all of these beef, beef tips to this commercial kitchen and they upcycle that into food someone can eat. They make a stew. They make a, um, a, a casserole. They grind it up themselves and make some beef um, to, make it, to turn into burgers. So what I love about this upcycling opportunity is it's taking something that somebody else saw as useless and making it useful for others. Uh, Le Soup has done this for a long time with a lot of our commercial partners. So we have a lot of meat processors in the area, cheese processors, um, and they've been taking these uh, ends of like sausage, like when they cut pepperoni, mm -hmm. they take the ends and they take some of the ends of the cheese and they further process them and turn them into little power packs that they send to home uh, with children on the weekends. Oh, that's fantastic. So, yeah, because, you know, we want kids to have good food. We want people to have healthy options. Um, and this is a realistic, tangible way that we can make sure that on the weekends, when we know there's a meal gap, that it's mm -hmm. being filled. And Cincinnati Public Schools has been an awesome partner in making sure that these products that are being upcycled are also being distributed back to the children. Uh, Le Soup, Food for the Soul, Our Daily Bread, they all have commercial kitchens. They're all certified to do this kind of work. And now with the change um, to the Food Donation Improvement Act, the change to mm -hmm. the uh, Good Samaritan Act, uh, it's offering more opportunity for these agencies to create more products and make sure that it's getting into the hands of people who need it most. Uh, well, we really want to thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, just a, a final, like, parting, uh, you know, uh, question. Uh, I know that you haven't been doing this very long, at least there at, at uh, the Hamilton County Solid Waste District. Uh, how are you able to quantify um, the impact or, or ideally, how would you want to quantify that impact um, as you're gathering that data? Yeah, so our main goal as a solid waste management district is in Ohio is to reduce the dependency on landfills. And so over time, we would love to see a decrease in the amount of food waste that is in our waste characterization study. So every few years, we do a study of the landfill to find out what it's made up of, what's going in there, and we want to see a decrease in the amount of organic material, specifically food waste that's going to the landfill. We'd love that diverted to composting, like our partners at Queen City Commons or Compost Now or Go Zero, they're all doing amazing work collecting compost. We want to see them collecting more compost um, or more food scrap for compost. But that's our ultimate goal. On a daily basis, we know that our message is reaching people uh, when, we, when we check our blog. So I look at our blog every month to see how many visitors we got. You know, we want to see that increasing every, every year, every month. Um, we also collect data on how many people hear our messages through um, social media and through traditional media. So um, I, I watch those numbers very closely uh, to find out how many people have have um, listened to our message. We also keep a pretty solid record of the number of people who attend our events. So uh, when Elise, my colleague, goes out to schools or out to other organizations or engage, my colleague goes out to community groups, we're keeping track of how many people are attending those events. When I go out, I obviously am keeping track of how many people attend those events. Um, but, you know, our ultimate goal is to see the amount of waste in our landfill decrease. Well, that's, uh, you know, I think a laudable goal and, and one that I think we all want to uh, to see for the future of our planet, for sure. Tony, thank you for joining the program and for everything that you're doing towards the uh, elimination of food waste. Eat Your Heartland Out is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. 
Food Radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.